Hi there and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans, where the content is absolutely free. This is episode 73 of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast. I am your host tonight, Colin Armstrong. Uh, we would ask you to subscribe and like the, the, the podcast and get the word out there on social media. The podcast is live tonight. We're live on the YouTube. You can join in via the comment section. I'll try and have a look at some of those as the night goes on. But we will also be available to download and stream on a number of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, and Spotify. Of course, if you're a regular listener, you'll know all that already, but I'm always thinking of the newbies. Uh, only the two of us on tonight. It's myself and David Wren. How are you, David? That was a bit of a car crash introduction there. <laughs> it's the first one of the new year. You know what I mean? And it was only a friend. It was only a friendly. Nobody cares. You know what I mean? Nobody cares about these things. Uh, so how was your, your, your festive period, your Christmas and New Year? Yeah, it was good. Goodbye down the road from Dundee, back to Kilmarnock for a wee while, and then was up here for New Year. But yeah, good to see Rangers, obviously, winning uh, the last game before the break, but sort of twiddling my thumbs now, just waiting for the for the football to start again. Did you watch a game yesterday? No, I saw the, I saw the goals. It was a sort of awkward, awkward time. Uh, but yeah, I kept, I kind of kept up to date, but... Um, no, it's, I mean, it's it's good. I don't know how much you would read into a game like that. I think it was just good to for the players, especially the ones that haven't been playing much, to get a bit of game time. And I think the whole trip's good for the squad. You know, it's always good to get uh, the players away on, on these sort of things, especially for guys like Kent, who, for instance, who signed later in the transfer window when they got the initial uh, trip away in, in the summer. So, so I think it's always good for team spirit and... and Things like that to to get off and and get a bit of uh, get a bit of sunshine, especially this time of year. It, it's also good for the likes of Morelos to get out of the country, you know, to avoid prosecution and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it's been a tough few weeks. <laughs> but, no, it was good. It was actually it was quite nice to see him back home uh, in Colombia. To be fair, I saw some yeah. of that. Yeah, so to be too. fair, I think he must need some of that as well, given some of the stuff that's been flying about after the Celtic game. Yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, one thing that you forget, and I think it's often forgotten about Morelos, is he's only 22, is he? Um, and, you know, he's living away from, you know, in the, in the other side of the world, playing in Scotland, where the conditions, and Finland before that, the conditions are considerably different. It must, I mean, it must be difficult for him to, to be so far away from his family and his home country. So, you know... To, to get the chance in the middle of the season to then go back and spend a bit of time, especially, you know, he is probably arguably the most high-profile high, high player in the country at the moment um, and is constantly in the headlines for good or for bad. So, yeah, it's probably been a well-earned break for him. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, some of the stuff, I mean, we'll, we'll come on to that later on in the show, some of the stuff uh, on the back of the... The old firm game that I, I thought was 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 quite ludicrous actually, but uh, 
Aye, so I, I agree. I think you're right that it can it can get away get away from all that and just as you say, see family and all that again. Uh, so yeah, it's been good. I mean, we'll, we'll come and talk about the winter break because we were having a wee chat in the WhatsApp through the week there, and you were you were sort of grumping and groaning about it. So we'll, we'll come on to that. Uh, so I thought we would have a look at the game yesterday. I mean, I never seen the game yesterday, but I, I kept up with it on Twitter and just checking in here and there. Uh, and it just like what you said there, it just seemed like a good exercise to get you know minutes in the legs and, and give some of the boys that don't get a lot of game time a chance to impress. I thought Stephen Gerrard made a very interesting comment after the game. We'll come on to cover that. Uh, we'll also have a wee look at the 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 winter break. As just as I said, the, the January window as well. Comings and goings. There's, there's been a couple of those. We'll have a wee look at the the old fun fallout. I mean, some of the nonsense has been incredible. I think, and we'll also look at the the Strand the Strand game on Friday, uh, and we'll talk about that eight nothing game. I, I'm assuming you were only born in 1989, David. Oh, I was I was four years away from both. Actually. <laughs> my mummy and daddy hadn't even met by that stage. Nice. Nice. I, I could be old enough to be your dad when I give it up. There we go. We'll, we'll not go into that. Right. So we'll get in, we'll get into yesterday's game. Uh, obviously, as I said, they're away out in Dubai. Uh, winter break, getting away. Now Stephen Gerrard went with a, a a sort of plan of playing two entirely different. Elevens, uh, one in the first half, one in the second half. First half he went before Fodringham, Patterson, Edmondson, Katic, Barisic, Ryan Jack, who captained the team, uh, Arfield, Aribo, Ojo, Barker, and the four. In the second half, he went with Andy Firth and goals, Tav, Golson, Flanagan, Halliday, Doherty, Davis, Kamara, Jones, Stewart, and Kent. So, again, it seems to me, just pretty much what we were saying there, David, that Gerard sees this as an opportunity to, one, get the boys back up and running. I'd I'd imagine it had been a week without any sort of training and stuff like that, a wee break. Back out to Dubai, quite a heavy training schedule from from what I was reading, you know, that the boys had a tough week. And then, again, just to get the legs back up and running and give some of these boys a chance to impress. Yeah, I think, I mean... The, the thought of Barker and Ojo in either wing sends shivers down my spine um, for a competitive game, but I suppose for a friendly that'll it's good to get a run out. But no, yeah, I think it's these games are I think especially their training schedule with that. Where well, I, I would assume it's been quite hard. I think even if I'm sure the pace of the sessions was was high, and there's probably a couple of double sessions in there, so it's always good just to get. You know, some minutes in the legs because it's obviously a lot different um, training and actually playing games. And I, I don't know the level of the actual opposition yesterday. I don't think it was particularly high, but it's good to just get back into it. And I think it'll be a nice uh, going from that level of game into Strenar next week. I think it's a nice sort of build up to then coming back into the league games. But yeah, it looked, I mean, the first eleven are much more much more familiar, I suppose. Looked at, uh, you know, you've got a, a midfield there that wouldn't look at a place in a normal, you know, uh, Premiership game. So, uh, and yeah, it's, it's good to see some of the younger boys getting a chance as well. And Edmondson, who I think's probably been quite unlucky this season in that Goldson and and Katic as well as uh, Helander have, have done. Done so well, and I've, I've certainly been the first choice. I think Edmondson will have his his time at some stage, maybe not this season, but perhaps perhaps next season. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, 
another good performance by all accounts from Greg Stewart too, which is pleasing to see. And you just wonder if maybe he'll have a have a bigger role to play in the in the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think Stewart's one of those ones. I think a lot of us have felt sorry for. You know what I mean? And I think I kind of agree with most of what you were saying there, David. I, I, I think it's been very difficult for some of the guys who are on the fringe to get in. I mean, the the, the, the title race is so tight at the moment. You know, you, you kind of get the feeling that JNR's thinking he can't change it too much. If a, if a team's winning and players are performing, you know, he, he can't really give some of these guys the, the game time that he would he would maybe want to. Uh, and and that that was reflected in some of his comments that we'll, we'll, we'll come on to later on. But in terms of Gerard's reaction after the game, you know, he said, uh, in terms of the game, he says, that's what we asked for. We asked them to try and show what we've been working on all week, our organisation out of possession, and then what we do with the ball uh, when we regain it. To play at speed, that makes it really uncomfortable for the opposition. So I thought in both halves there were a lot of positives. Uh, I was more pleased with the second half performance and shape. And, and this this is the comments that I, I, would, I was wanting to talk about. It is funny. Football, as some people grab opportunities and some probably push themselves further away. And that's that's what happened today. Now, out of all these comments yesterday, I found those ones quite telling, David. It's, it said to me that some of these boys that are on the fringes have not strengthened their case to, to get game time. Is that how you took that? Yeah, I think I think that's that's probably what he meant. I'm not sure who he would have been referring to, but I think it'd be obvious that the likes of maybe Andy Halliday, Greg Doherty, Jordan Jones, Brandon Barker um, would certainly be the obvious ones. But it's difficult. I think at the moment we've got a we've got a first team squad, and generally we'll, we'll get the same players every week, the same subs that are coming on and making a difference in the game. The likes of, I think, Barker hasn't um, impressed me particularly. It's not really anything against him. I don't think it's, it's not really his fault, in my opinion. I think he was brought in as a, as a, as a backup player, but I really don't think that if we want to get to where we're, we're going, um, he's the sort of player we need. I, I just don't think he's got the quality re, uh, required for us at, the, at, the, at this moment uh, and what we need, uh, especially in the wide areas. Um, and I'm not sure, I'm, uh, again, I, I would assume it was, it was like I said, Doherty and Halliday and Jones and stuff like that he was talking about, but certainly Greg Doherty is another one. He's not really featured, obviously, uh, since he, he returned. And I, I, again, I don't think in the in the, uh, the way we're going and, and where we want to be, I don't think Craig Doherty will probably have a future. I think I think with Doherty was one of the ones that was a fan and 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 you know it's very romantic when you've got a player coming in that's been a, a Rangers fan as a kid. But for me, I, I had I, I didn't see anything when he first came that suggested he was going to be a a good player for us. And I'm not surprised that he's not really had a chance under Gerald because, and again, it's it's not it's not for the one to try. And I think he's he's a hard worker, and it's it's nothing like that. I just don't think he, he has the quality required, and probably the same could be said for for Halliday. And obviously, his 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 contracts out in the summer, and he's a player I like, a player I, I respect, and I, I really love him as a as a proper Rangers man, as they say. But. Again, I, I, I would be surprised to see him offer a new deal because even 
compared to last season. He's played very, very little football uh, this season. And yeah, you wouldn't be surprised if, if he if he moves on as well. Jones, Jones, I'm 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 willing to give a bit of a chance because I think he showed signs, you know, he, he played in the cross in the in the Legia Warsaw game and made an impact, I think, in the first part of the season. And then obviously a stupid egg card, a stupid injury against Celtic. So that wasn't great for him. But I, I think I think there's something there. He's a player, you know, that I'd I'd covered well. It was at Kilmarnock um working down there and uh, I was surprised when Rangers signed them, but I thought the early early sign suggested that he, he maybe could could do a job for us and hopefully if given the chance um in the second half of the season, I think certainly there's there's a place for him in the in the team in some capacity in a wide area. I doubt it'll be the left because I can't see him getting Ken out of the team, but if there was any way of playing him elsewhere, I think he'd certainly certainly be worth giving a chance, um a chance to impress. I, excuse me, I, I slightly disagree on Doherty. I think when he when Doherty first arrived I really liked to look the, the look of the boy. I, I I thought the way he broke up play. I really liked that. It, 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 and it wasn't through you know crunching tackles and all that kind of thing. It was more the reading of his game. You know, he he, he knew where to be. One part of his game I thought let him down was his distribution. But stuff like that you can always you know you can always improve on. But you have to remember <clears throat> he signed for a team a Rangers team that was you know immeasurably poorer than the one that's there now. And that's where I kind of feel from. I think. You know, if, if if he joined the club a year or two earlier, I think he'd have got a game time and maybe grown into being a Rangers player. But I think he's joined at the tail end of Pedro and Marty and all that kind of thing. You know, the, the, when that whole shambles was getting put to bed, the Steven Gerrard has, has come in and just lifted us to another level, especially in the middle of the park. You know, I would argue that that could be our, our strongest area. We've, we've got lots of options in there. And I just feel for him. I just feel he's, he's fell down that pecking order and I, 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 I'd always kind of hoped there would be room for him at some point, but it just feels to me now it would probably be better, uh, you know, for himself to, to move on. I don't know if another loan deal would be beneficial for him. I, I, you know, I, when we signed Stephen Davis, the first one you thought of, well, the first one I thought of, actually, I thought, well, you know, Ryan Jack might struggle to get in the team now. So if, I, if I'm thinking that about Ryan Jack, you can you can almost write Dockery off. He's not going to get in that team. Uh, I think I think the biggest thing now, Colin, is that we as a club have moved on considerably from that Graham Murray team. And last season there was a bit of the. I'll use Halliday as an example. There was a bit of um, that sort of. Romantic again aspect of him being an Angels fan, him doing anything for the club, and the the fact that he put in a few good performances for Gerard was really really pleasing, and everyone was delighted with that first half of the season. Second half of the season didn't go his way as much, and then now now we've got to as a as a as a club look at players like I'll go through this team here. So you've got your for me Ojo, Barker, even even Flanagan. Halliday, Doherty, all these guys to me just aren't quite the level that we need to get where we need to get to. And I think it's about being ruthless now. And I, I, I really believe that, that you can't really 
be sentimental about players, and I think Gerard sees that too. And I think I think it's starting to get to the stage where even if these are fan favourites and people that you know or players that fans like, there's just a bit of like just needs to be a bit of ruthlessness there and, and getting out or letting the players go that just aren't going to be up to the level and then bringing in better players to replace them and also bringing through younger players from the academy to, to replace them that, that are slightly higher quality because I think that's something that has to be done now as well and that's about integrating the under-20s into the, the first team rather than signing like Dockery for example off of Hamilton you know, we should be then looking to develop our own players again instead of signing young players that have played, you know, 50, 50 top flight games for Hamilton. So I just think we're getting a, we're bringing in a player to, to play to the way we play. Whereas if you're bringing in Docker, you're bringing in a player from a lesser team who is used to, just doesn't quite have that, even though he's a Rangers fan, doesn't quite have that winning mentality and that, you know, big club mentality that even our younger players will have from being around uh, you know the Hummel training centre on a daily basis and I just think for us now we need to be looking at bringing in higher quality players and also bringing through players that are going to be able to integrate into the first team quicker Yeah again <clears throat> excuse me I think you're right on holiday I, I, I mean I think Gerard described him last season as he sort of unofficial captain and I think I think Halliday played a part in helping Gerard, you know, settle in and and and, and get up and running at Rangers because I think maybe Gerard saw a wee bit of him of himself in Halliday. You know, what I mean, similar background in terms of you know, born in the city of the club that they they went on to represent and you know grew up supporting that club. You know, obviously Gerard is at a completely different level from Andy Halliday. But I mean, even that Celtic game last year at the game at Ibrox on the twenty ninth. You know, Halliday smashed into someone in the first sort of 30 seconds and really set the tempo and he had a great game that day. You know, he really was one of the top three or, three or four players and and a great performance. But as you've pointed out, David, you know, since then it's went downhill. He's he's featured less and less. I mean, he's, I mean, Gerard was always giving him a bit, of, a bit of game time, you know, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here. He's not even getting that now, you know, so... As you've pointed out, he's out of contract to the end of the season. It's hard to see uh, a way back from it. I slightly disagree with you with Jordan Jones. I think there's a future for him. Uh, one I'm starting to, to think might be looking at the exit door is, is Flanagan as well because I, I just think in, in Borna we have someone who is of such a high level. You know, I, I think it was, it was the Aberdeen game off of the Todry uh, that, that Barris had smashed that, uh, sorry, missed that game and I think Flanagan was kind of to blame for one of the goals and, and Gerard made a comment that sort of suggested that, you know, he expected a wee bit more from that. And he was one of the ones that got a bit of game time yesterday. So I, I kind of wonder if he is uh, maybe included in the the group of players that Gerard has said, they've, you know, they've, they've not in, in, increased their stake for uh, more game time. They've actually pushed it away. So I suppose we'll find out. We're in the January window. You know, I think maybe one of those one or two of those players that I've mentioned will definitely be on the way out. Uh, so time will tell, I suppose. On on the academy players thing there, you know, you're talking about integrating uh, some of the young boys. There was there was Nathan Patterson got a game, James Maxwell, Kai Kennedy. They all got a bit of game time. And Gerard was commenting quite posit- positively afterwards and he said he was going to have further discussions with Craig Mulholland in terms of, you know, increasing their opportunities and, and, and getting them in. But again, it must be quite difficult, especially when the league's so tight 
you know, and we've been in a situation we've not won a major trophy for a good number of years now, you know, so feels like there's no a huge amount of leeway to give these boys a chance. But the fact that Gerard has recognised them, I mean, long term and with the appointment of Ross Wilson, do you think that's where Rangers are maybe going to, you know, try and improve the amount of players that we bring through for the academy and the, the players that we can't produce, we buy? If they're good enough, yeah. I think that's that's the biggest thing. If they're if they're ready to play then 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 play them at I'm not a massive believer in, in loaning them to. I mean, look at uh, James, boy, uh, Josh McPake, for instance. He's come up to Dundee, and I don't. I've not seen a great deal of Dundee this season, but I've spoken to to people that that do follow the club. You know, he's just not managed to make an impact. Um, and I think it's just difficult because these players, you know, how much are they developing? Don't be wrong. Dundee plays some nice some nice stuff. This isn't really a dig at Dundee. I think. You know that was a good move at the time. I, I, I did think um, to go there and, and play with you know a half decent team in the championship. But I'm not a massive believer in the loan system. I just don't know how it really benefits the, the players. Look at Ross McCrory. Even you know he's gone down to Portsmouth and has come back already. Didn't really work out for him. I think he's one that should have a future. Certainly Ross McCrory, I think he could be a massive player for us in the second half of the season. I think he's proved himself. I was quite surprised Gerard, Gerard sent him uh, on loan. But I'd, I'd like to see these players, you know, given a chance. But is it easier to integrate them in the summer into the into the first team squad and uh, and then bring them into the start of next season really properly? Or... Do we try and bring them into cup games this season? Do we try and you know, as you say, it's difficult when you're when you're in the midst of a title challenge or a title title race. It's it's quite hard to then introduce these young players um, into the into the first team squad. And I think we've we've been stung quite a lot recently, well, certainly the last ten years, um, with players who have flapped to deceive. Greg Wilde would have been the first one, in my opinion, uh, the, the last title winning squad, and then. He just never really, he was a very bit of a one-trick pony. And I think you've seen the way his career's gone that maybe he just didn't have the quality required. Uh, and then obviously the, the umpteen players that came through the you know, the system went down the leagues. I mean, none of them, Fraser Ayl, Robbie Crawford. The only one that maybe had half a chance was Lewis McLeod. Um, and he obviously moved on quite, quite quickly. Uh, I think we need to now turn our focus. You know, the boy Billy Gilmore's obviously gone down and done really well at Chelsea. So hopefully there's there's more like him uh, in our system that will be able to to come in and make a difference. But as I say, I think it's a they need to be. We need to know they're good enough and can 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 face up to the to the challenge. And b they have to they have to be integrated properly. I just don't think that personally the loan system's working very well for us at the moment. So I'd probably rather see his development themselves some way, whether that's keeping them in a, a competitive environment in the, in the development squad or, or trying somehow to, to even get them 20 minutes here and there in, in some of the league games or, or, or in the cup. But I don't think there's a... I think, I, for everyone, I think everyone connected to the club would love to see his bring through all their own players as much as possible but it, again it just depends on a case by case basis and ensuring that that they're good enough and that they're ready for, for first team football because it is a big difference 
Tenner's a good example of, of, of using young players well down at Liverpool. You know, how Klopp's done it. And I think Arsene Wenger done it a few years ago. He, he used the League Cup. Uh, I mean, the, the result that, that Liverpool's youngsters got against Everton, you know, uh, last week there. That's, that's maybe, obviously, I accept that Everton are in a bit of a bad place at the moment, but you would have still expected them. When I saw the Liverpool team that day, you know, thinking you would still expect Everton to get a result. And they didn't. And, you know, Klopp seems to just say, right, well, I, I want to win either the Premier League or the Champions League. You know, everything else is... And I don't think we're quite in, in as luxurious a position of that. You know, I think everyone at the club wants a trophy. So up until that point, I think whoever's in charge, whether it be Gerard or someone else, will always sort of look to to play as strong a team as possible. But but as we move forward, you know that's that I, I, I think the League Cup could be a, a good place to put, you know, give some younger players a chance to go out and see what they can offer because you have seen it down in Liverpool that, that, that it's worked for Klopp. You know, what I mean, all right. I mean, I think it was at Villa they went to and they got an absolute, you know, horse, and I think it was five or six nil, but. Uh, it's still giving them that experience, you know. It's still giving, you know, even just being in the dressing room and and, and knowing what it's like to be in a, in a in a major tournament and for the first team of a major club. I think all that experience builds up, you know. And so it's maybe something we could look at in the future. But I think at the moment, it's probably not for us because I think we're all just desperate for that first trophy. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think again, I don't know if Everton will just, you know scared of, of that full occasion at, at Liverpool. I think in some ways that made it worse because they would have they had an excuse if it was Salah and Manny and all the guys playing, but when you turn up and it's a bunch of kids, you just feel like if we, you know, I think they'd have almost been shell-shocked. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I, I don't really get that. I would never want to see us do that because I think it's... I don't know, it just doesn't really sit right with me playing a full team of, of youngsters in a cup, I think. It's okay, maybe two, three, maybe at the most from the start, but to play a full team, I think, is just a bit a bit much. And even if we were going for the league and, and whatever else, I'd still expect us to be attempting to win every trophy available because I think that's just been the, the way of Rangers for so many years and it would be It'd be wrong to to change that and to to approach any any cup competition and in, in that way. I think it's very it devalues the competition as well. I yeah, suppose. yeah. I think I think it shows a lot about English football that Liverpool would do that. And I don't really agree that it's such a great thing. I think it's uh, I think it's pretty shoddy from from all the all the club, not just Liverpool. I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot worse examples in Liverpool, the likes of, um, you know, Bournemouths and Burnleys and all these kind of clubs that maybe play lesser teams in cup competitions, and and as well as that, the likes of Arsenal, Man United playing weak teams in the Europa League. You know, it's to me, it just makes it makes no sense. And I think it. I think I think finally the Premier League is is paying the price for all the years of of you know. Um, absurdity that it's had because this season's league's just been um, a bit of a, of a car crash I think today's result between Man City and Aston Villa show that and maybe the league isn't the be on it be on end all for the clubs now it shouldn't be certainly um, 
and I would never want to see us devalue a, a cup competition the way the English the English teams doing anyway. There's, there's a disparity of resources as well. I mean, you look at the FA Cup final. Was it last season, Man City? Was it six 0 They beat. Was it Watford? Yeah, I mean, it's. So, it's I mean, that's a that's a farce of a cup final, really, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's. I just find it. Um, I think when you look at, I mean, Arsenal are in the thing that got me was um, looking at a team like Arsenal who have, I mean, a, a, a terrible, terrible run, um, and then you look at the league table and. They're on 28 points and Man U in fifth are on 34. So that's the difference. So Arsenal are having a terrible season. They're in 10th spot and they're levelling points with Everton and Southampton. Southampton, who, you know, were in a, a real terrible spot a couple of weeks ago. And there's that little difference between fifth and, you know, 13th place in the league. Yeah. To me, and, and, and this isn't, Fair enough if that's after 10 games. 22 games in, you know, more than halfway through the season. I think that league, I think the bubble's busting in that league and I think you're finding that Liverpool and Man City are so far ahead of every other club um, that it'll only get worse down there. And I think people say a lot about Scottish football. but that's what I, was, I was about to say, it's starting to sound like the SPL. No, that's the thing. And it's like people down there, they call this a pub league. But we can have a bit of pride in our league at out with Rangers, that's still a lot of pride in the in the teams here, and I think it's there's a bit of authenticity to Scottish football that you just you don't get down there anymore. And I think well, there's, there's, there's no half, half and half scarves down here or up here. Sorry, being VARs had a massive impact. For some reason, they've they've invested in the worst possible VAR. I don't know how they've managed to get it so wrong, but to me, that doesn't offer the same drama that the World Cup and. Um, the Champions League does. I'm not a big hater of VAR. I thought last season the Champions League, I thought the game Man City and Tottenham, it just added an incredible dimension to that game. I remember Guardiola and then the, the wing when he thought they'd scored and then they hadn't and it was just brilliant because you thought, wow, that was just... But now, now even the crowds and the players aren't celebrating goals. Because oh, I know. Yeah, no, they're all looking at the screen. It's turning into an absolute farce of a yeah. league and, and it's but in many ways it's great to see because the absolute greed um, it's epitomised the league for so long. You've even seen clubs like Aston Villa, who I was desperate to come back up, and they spent like what 130 million. And they're getting horsed up like six one off a off a city. And yeah. To me, that's like imagine you gave Rangers 130 million quid or Celtic. You know, we wouldn't. We would do anything for that sort of money. Yeah. It's interesting you, know. you say that because I don't know if you, you listened to the, the podcast through the week with uh, Stephen Gerrard and Jamie Carragher and, and Carragher sort of alluded to, you know, what would Rangers and Celtic do if, if they came down south? And Stephen Gerrard, uh, Gerrard sorry, was very blunt. He was like, a lot of teams would be worried. He says, and that's why it won't happen. He, he was quite strong in that. He says, it will never happen. He says, and that's why. He says, because a lot of teams that are sort of chapping at that sort of top four, top six, could forget it, you know, because the minute you gave Rangers and Celtic that amount of money and, and that amount of uh, turnover and media and all the rest of it, they would just go global, you know. So, yeah, if, I mean, if we got handed that kind of money, I'd be wanting the Champions League for three years in the trot, you know. I mean, you'd be thinking that is an obscene amount of money. Uh, whereas down there, they're, they're spending that and, and they're, they're in the bottom three, Villa. 
Well, that's that's the thing, and I think it's it's funny as well because Ted Angels and Celtic are the equation, and I think I think the the idea of us going down there's come about twenty years too late to be honest, because I just don't think now it'd be it would happen. I don't know if I would particularly want it to happen because what that league has now become, I don't know if I'd really want to be a part of it out with the money aspect, but. Like even take take Rangers and Celtic out of the equation, Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts, Dundee United are all bigger than Bournemouth, Burnley, Brighton. You know, I'm just focusing on the B the B teams. <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, yeah. I mean? like, massive. I mean, there's clubs up here. They they all they all turn those up, but they're they're top flight. You know, there's clubs clubs there that. We've, we've got bigger clubs out, even without Rangers and Celtic. I think the four I mentioned there, you would class as more successful in bigger clubs than, than some of their top flight teams. Not like an Norwich or something like that. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think... Um, just to get you away from the Bs. Yeah, no, I, I'm actually <laughs> still like anyone on the B teams at the moment. Uh, but you know what I mean? I mean, uh, we, have, we have a lot of big clubs up here. I mean, two huge clubs and then... Other other teams that have done done great things as well, you know, Aberdeen have achieved more in more in Europe than I think. More you'd be you'd be looking quite far down the list to find. Um, you know, yeah, I know, I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, been success in the last thirty years. You know what I mean? It's, so it's uh, difficult then to uh, English football is a bit of a bugbear for me. I just find it all a bit... I've barely watched it this season and I'm much more interested in what Rangers are doing and, and Scottish football as a whole because I think we've just got so much more to offer and I think it's... I don't like hearing people talk Scottish football down because I think at the moment Rangers and Celtic have run away with it. Fair enough. But there's still a lot of drama elsewhere in the in the league and I think it's... And in the Championship as well. There's... You know, Dundee United are... Are going to come back up to the to the top flight next season probably, which will be good for for the game. Um, even if even if you know they're not great friends of Rangers, it will give them it'll just be another fit, but it'll be another fixture to look forward to for, for Rangers. You've just, you've just lost us about seventy years there. Uh, yeah. but that. <laughs> I, I know what you mean, but I mean I I think that the, the thing that bothers me about the Scottish game is the, 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 the certainly when I was growing up, I, I don't remember the same level of bitterness that, that, that's there now. And I don't just mean sort of between Rangers and Celtic, you know, just in general. I don't think there's a healthy attitude about the game now. And when I hear some comments of people, I just think, oh my God, you need to have a real look at your, yourself and your life if, if, if that's how you're behaving. But I know what you mean. I mean, the English game is, is, is off the scale and there is probably a wee bit more authenticity around our game. Uh, but there is one thing about our game you don't like that I'm going to I'm going to get us on to now, and, that, and that's the winter break. So, I mean, we've had two weeks off there. Now, I've got to say, I've, I've, I was never a big fan of the winter break. And it just seems to come... The thing that annoys me is, is the weather is so unpredictable now. You know, you could have a really mild January and have a stinking March. You know what I mean? And that was always the, the, the argument, oh... You know the weather and all this kind of thing, but I'm actually now kind of coming round to the, the view that you know what they've played so many games. Uh, I'm just talking about Rangers at the moment. I mean, we started our UEFA Cup or Europa League campaign in July. You know what I mean? So I was kind of thinking, you know what, these guys deserve a week just to go away and then come back 
you know, refreshed and ready to, to, to go again. But you've you've got stuff that you don't like about the winter break, David. So give us it. Um, I just I think I mean fair enough. Like getting a break, fine. But then we're absolutely cramming games into the end of January, and it's it's not really conducive to avoiding the things that we want to avoid by having the winter break, like injuries and, and things like that. And I just don't, as you say, the, the, the winter is un, eh, sorry, the, the weather is unpredictable. Too um, the other thing I don't like, and some that hadn't actually came to my mind uh, until over the, the festive period, and someone had put on Twitter about you know the fact that there's no more. New Year's Day games, which were a, a real tradition for, for a few years there, and that's that's something that that was good as well. But the festive football, and it feels like before New Year, all the Scottish football's finished, so you lose that that festive aspect to it as well, and you lose the the New Year games. Um, and I just I just think it's a pretty long break um, at an odd time. And, and there's a lot of games crammed in thereafter. I just I, I just don't really see what we gain. Instead of spreading games out accordingly, we're, we're just taking a big chunk out of January and then cramming loads of games in after that. Um, and important games as well. Which well, I, I think that could be the issue. Is the issue is just how many games we're asking these guys to play. Is that not maybe the problem? And... I, and I, I think the same could be said down south as well. You know, the amount of games that we ask these guys to play is it's just becoming ridiculous. And that's maybe why some managers are saying, you know what, see for that competition, I'm just going to shove the kids in. Because there doesn't seem to be any consideration, in, in my opinion anyway, for what we're asking these players to do. You know what I mean? Especially clubs that are at the higher end and are competing in Europe, you know, Champions League, Europa League, all that kind of thing. I mean, the amount of games that Rangers had to play just to get into the group stages of the Europa League was mm-hmm. nothing short. I mean, that would have, back in, again, going back to the old days when I was growing up, that would have won you the tournament. If you've played eight, nine games in Europe, the very least you've done is reach the final. You know what I mean? Now you're having to play that just to actually qualify. And I think that's what the problem is. I think that's what we need to look at. But the big issue is there's so much TV now and it's... It's not just about the punters who are paying at the gate to go in and watch it. You know, there's it's about making sure that every night when you go home, if you stick on Sky Sports, BT Sport, Premier Sport, Amazon Prime Sport, there's a game on, and that's that's the issue, I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the European aspect of it was a big issue with that was the, the poor performance of teams in in Europe, and we we were a part of that with the with the progress. Tobacco. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully that'll improve in the years to come after success of the from clubs. But no, I agree. I think it's obviously it is a lot of games for the for the players, and I think a lot of it is to do with, especially down south, ensuring that there are games on all the time. But you know, we're big squads, and you'd like to. I, I, personally, domestically, I don't think in Scotland we have. Don't think it's absurd, you know, to have thirty-eight league games and and uh, the cup games on top of that. I don't think that's too bad. Um, but the issue with the winter break is, I feel like it was brought in to avoid games being postponed for the weather. It felt like at the time, and that 
that just doesn't seem to make any sense. It's very much like, I just feel well, a lot of these decisions that are made over things that people ask for um, across football, not, not just in Scotland, I think all over the place. People say we should we should do this, we should have this thing, whatever it is, winter break, VER, whatever. We should do this. And then it's just whoever's in charge of doing that always seems to do it in a very strange way that just wasn't quite what everyone had in mind. And I think the winter break falls in, in that category. You've also got the possibility, you know, Rangers and Celtic are still in Europa League. Now, if they have extended runs, which look at some of the teams that are still in there, isn't beyond the realms of impossibility. You know what I mean? I think both teams have got decent draws. I think they're on a knife edge. Both could go through. One could go through. Both could go out. But if they have an extended run, I mean, what happened in 2008 with Rangers? You know, if you're taking two weeks out of the season, it could also impact it in that way. But, I mean, I'm like you. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the winter break. I, I find winter depressing enough as it is without any football, I must admit. However, I must admit, on the last couple of occasions, given the amount of, of games that they've played to get into the Europa League, I can understand why the clubs themselves, and, you know, Steven Gerrard certainly seems quite happy that they're getting a chance to go away, recharge the batteries, and then go again. From a supporter's perspective... I find it quite frustrating because I, I don't think January is what it used to be. You know, you used to get heavy snow and you know, there was a good chance there would be a lot of call-offs in sort of December, January time. That's out the window now. You know what I mean? I've, I've walked out there at 12 degrees in January and then come March, you're getting two, three feet of snow and the beast from the east and all that. So it's, I'm like you, the reasons that it's there, I don't quite agree with. However, given the way the seasons went this season, I think it came at a good time. I'm going to be honest. Well, I suppose time will tell, and hopefully, hopefully, come from our game, we're ready to go. And it's ready to go, yeah. But to be fair, last season as well, the who were we meant to be playing was at Fraserburgh, and that got called off. Um, oh, was it Cowden Beef? Was it no Cowden Beef? It was because uh, the ball Donald Finlay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And um, we missed that game, and so we went to the Comarnock game quite cold. I thought. Yeah, and then that showed. I mean, we got there like oh, and then. We just need to make sure that I think it'll be good to this Renard game and obviously we know that will go ahead on Friday because it's Ibrox. Um so shouldn't be any any worries there. And that'll give us a good little buffer before we go back to, to league, league action. Business. Uh obviously the January window's opening now, uh David. So in terms of ins and outs, we've already had a couple. Andy King's away, he's gone. Uh, Eros Gresda, uh, he left the club last week there. 17 appearances he made. Uh, he's away back to Ozajek. Now, the, 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 the nature of this deal makes me think that we're seeing the first sort of uh, insight to what Ross Wilson can offer the club because apparently he's, he's, he's got us quite a good deal at this. Apparently, uh, we've, we've got a small fee for the now. We've recouped a small fee and there's a significant sell-on clause included in the, in, in the deal plus also any instalments that we had left to pay to Ozijek, that's that's done. Uh, and it also frees up, apparently he was on a, a reputed £7,000 a week. So it frees up his salary, you know, which we could maybe reinvest in someone else. Gresda himself, now I know, I mean, I, I struggled to want him, I must admit, I, I found him, there was, a, there was a couple of games last season when 
at Ibrox and I thought, you know what, we're starting to see the best of this boy here. And it, it, I'm sure he scored a couple of goals against somebody. I can't quite remember who it was against, but... I think it was Motherwell, 7-0. Was it the 7-0 game? Uh, other than that, uh, there wasn't much came from him. He was obviously involved in that spitting incident and it kind of felt like it was the right thing to do. You know, his time was up. He said on Insta- uh, Instagram this week, sometimes in life things don't go as we wish, but the important thing is to never give up on your dreams. Wishing all the best to my teammates and club. We are the people. Hashtag 55. Uh, your thoughts on Gresner? I had a, just one of the ones to forget, I think. It was never really... I don't know. Sort of... It was a bit like Barisic before Barisic was the greatest left-back to ever pull in the Rangers jersey. Um, <laughs> I don't think Barisic was ever quite that. Well, maybe it was. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, it, was the same, it was the same sort of thing, though. It was like, he just felt, he always felt like he was playing within himself. And I don't know. It was it was a hard one. I think Mark Allen made a few mistakes as, as director of football, and probably that was one of them. Um, and yeah, I just always felt like he'd, he didn't quite look like he was he was confident. He didn't quite look like it when he got the ball he was going to do anything with it. Uh and yeah, listen, it, it happens. Don't always get I think we've we've done quite well at us a check with with Barisic, you know, he's um so yeah, one out of two. Um is okay. Uh and yeah, he's just one of the I don't think he'll live long in the memory for, for Rangers fans. But a bit more disappointed to see uh to see Andy King go. I thought he might have had a Part to play, but but unfortunately for whatever reason, um, he doesn't. Either way, he didn't. And as I said earlier in the in the podcast, I think hopefully uh, Ross McCrory will have a more of a part to play in the second half of the season than, than King did in the first. I actually with King, I didn't think he would be someone who would get a huge amount of game time. You know, I didn't think he would get a huge amount of starts. I thought he would always be someone coming on twenty minutes to go and all that. But I thought, you know, he's 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 won a Premiership title. You know, he's maybe someone that would give us more in the dressing room than on, than on the pitch. You know, someone who would be able to go around the boys and talk them through what's required and what they need to do. But as you say, for whatever reason, it's just it's just not happened, and uh, he's away back down the road. In uh, in terms of, I mean, this is this is Ross Wilson's first window, and and Gerard's already been on record as saying. You know, I think there'll only be movements in the way if they can get, you know, three or four out of the way. Now we spoke earlier on about, you know, Greg Docker, eh, eh, Hank Matt Polster, Middleton, all these kind of boys. It's it feels like Rangers need to to trim down their squad. Now in the long term, I mean, I, I, I've seen the other now that it, it seems that Ross Wilson has done quite well, and you know, and the deal that got grazed out the door. You know, so I think we're looking at them to pull something out of the hat here as well with a few others. But that seems to me an area that Rangers are looking to improve on. You know, the players that they bring in and then move on. You know, increasing that that revenue part from from players going out is that one of his sort of prime tasks over the next few years, David? Yeah, I think so. I think we need to be smarter in, in the way we, we let players go. For instance, it's been quite nice, albeit we don't want them to leave, but it's been quite nice uh, this season to see some of our players linked with big clubs. You know, Morella's Morella's a funny one. He's he's one of them that's not really been linked with a club as such, but linked with a move. So we've not really heard many clubs that have been interested other than 
you know, I think maybe Crystal Palace, maybe Newcastle. Um, but again, not quite concrete stuff. The other two that have come out have been Glenn Kamara and going to Juventus. And uh, Barisic, you know you're going to mention Barisic to Roma. Yeah. They would be, for me, you know, it's good to see our, 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 sorry, our players being linked with clubs like that. And I think for, for Ross Wilson, it's important that we are getting good money for um, for our, our talent because I think for a long time we've not been not been getting that and listen if you if you turn around to me and said that you know in the summer we would sell Kamara Barisic and and Morelos all three for you know what would be a reasonable amount say 45 million for the three you know you'd take that wouldn't you and I think hopefully that wouldn't be unrealistic if we could if if the if the price has been quoted were were realistic um for Morellas and, and the others. But yeah, we need to we need to be selling our players um at higher rates if if they are going to move on and make sure we're getting we're getting sell on clauses in there and we're not being sold down the river because yeah. how many times in recent years have we been have we been uh you know, selling players for next to nothing and, and with no selling clauses. Um, well, I, th- I think it's a model that Celtic have used fairly successfully. There has been a few duds in there, you know, and I think that's maybe that comes with the territory. You know, if you're going to go in and try and buy players low, you're, you're like a Gresda, you know, you're going to bring someone in for a million, two million in the hope that you'll sell them on for eight, nine. Every now and again, you're going to get one that doesn't really work out, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's an area that we've been really, really poor on and, and something that Celtic have probably been better at over the last few years. And I think if, I mean, when you consider the performances, especially in the, the Europa League, the people like Kamara and Morelos and, and Barisic, then it doesn't surprise me that they've been linked with, with some of these teams. You know what I mean? Because the performances in that arena have been uh, exceptional, especially Morelos and, and Barisic. So... Yeah, I mean, you don't want these players to go. You want to keep them, but we also have to be realistic and think, you know, we have to become self-sufficient. The the, the, the board have already said that the, the AGM yeah, a couple of months back that, you know, the, the front-loading investment that they've been doing can't continue. So that is an area I, I feel that we need to improve on. Yeah, I think you'll find, I mean, it's just unrealistic. And we don't want in the next AGM to be seeing balance sheets like we have done for the past you know however many years and I think you know if say for, for talking sake you sold Glenn Kamara for, for for five million quid you know that's that's a great profit you know um, for a player who we, we signed for £50,000 and that's exactly what we should be looking to do is um, you know buy buy low and sell high and I think it's just I'd be quite happy for all three of them to go in the summer um, as long as we were getting good money to then reinvest and bring in players of a similar calibre yeah. that we could then you know, do the same with because realistically we're a selling club and I think um, I think we need to make sure that as a club we're in a, a good financial state and I think the best way we're going to the only way we're going to be able to do that is by making profits on, on players. Uh, I'll wrap up the, the January window stuff. If, if anyone is coming in, and, and Gerard's already said that it's 
solely dependent on how many go out. So they're obviously looking to get people out the door, uh, get money in in terms of you know possible transfer revenue and also free up wages. For signing one player, what area did, in the park do you think we need to, to strengthen most? Uh, right wing, I think, would be the biggest concern for me because I think Aribo's done well there uh, recently, but I'm not sure he's going to be the the long-term answer. I don't think Ojo's... I think if it was up to me, I would send Ojo back to Liverpool because I just don't think... I just don't think he gets it. I don't think he's. he's I don't think he's particularly enjoying it either. By the way, can, the way he sort of is in the park, um, he's obviously got good attributes. There's no doubt about that. He's a, he's a big, strong boy, fast, but for me, he just isn't going to do in that position. And I don't think any of the others like Barker. I think Barker's, as I said earlier on the podcast, I don't think he'll do. Um, I like Aribo there, but I don't think long term that's going to be his position. Again, I think Arfield can do a job there, but I don't think that's his position either. Um, so I'd like to see us bring in someone with a bit more, a bit more quality in a wide area um, to complement, you know, Ken and uh, and Morelos on that front three. There you go. I would quite like someone to come in, another goal scorer. Uh, I, 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 my biggest fear is even for three weeks, you know, I mean, something happens to Morelos, then we have to rely on Defoe and. I think Defoe can carry us so far, but I think if we were looking at him for a prolonged period, it might become an issue. Uh, so I would, I would, I think I'd quite like to see another striker coming in. Uh, but time will tell. You know, the, the, the window's open, and, and Ross Wilson and Stevie G will be doing what they've got to do to get the squad in that they want to have a tilt at this. Uh, moving on, David, uh, try and quickly go over some of the stuff that came out of the. The old firm game, now there's been some ridiculous stuff. Uh, Chris Sutton just seems to be, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest territory with some of his comments. Uh, you know, he's wanting Morelos uh, jailed, I think, for his uh, alleged gesture. Uh, John Hartson was complaining about the way Stephen Gerrard shook Lennon's hand at the end of it. Uh, there's loads of stuff on Celtic Twitter, uh, like Celtic fans claiming that Morelos assaulted Ryan Christie after the game and he didn't go to Colombia to see his family. He was actually fleeing the country because Ryan Christie wanted to press charges. <laughs> and, uh, and then we also had Ryan Christie was also banned. You know, he got a retrospective ban. and I think it's the first Celtic player to receive a retrospective ban from the compliance officer. And, and Celtic totally threw the... the the, the dummy at the pram. Uh, they, they released a statement saying Celtic Football Club and Ryan Christie are extremely disappointed at the outcome uh, of the hearing. Given the recent treatment of Celtic players and the lack of sanctions being imposed on those responsible, the fact that the sanction has been imposed on Ryan for the incident in question demonstrates a worrying lack of consistency in the Scottish FA fast track process. Something I think us, us Rangers fans have been complaining about for a long time now. Naturally, we will be contacting the Scottish FA regarding our concerns. Uh, this is a bit that got me. Scottish football deserves a disciplined process which is fair, consistent and fit for purpose. Now, given the amount of... Uh, even Scott Brown, the amount of stuff that he's got away with, they're, they're taking a piss a wee bit there, David, with that comment, are they not? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disappoint you here, Colin, but it really doesn't... I just run out of things to say about that. To me, it's like 
it's just noise and it's trying to detract away from what actually happened on the pitch, which was that we beat them. You know, a good performance by Rangers. That I think I think anyone that works the game and, and any Celtic fans uh, and anyone that plays or, or manages Celtic could see that we were the better team that day and <clears throat> the rest of it. I find it I find it funny like anyone else does, you know, some of the stuff that's that's come out. But to me it's I don't want it to sound boring and like I'm I'm avoiding your question because as a journalist I know <laughs> I know all I know all about this sort of thing. But yeah, it doesn't really, it doesn't really bother me. Uh I'm just I'm just focused on the next game, Colin. That's that's probably the right way to be, David. I, I just I just don't I just don't see it. There's just not enough there. There's not enough happening to make me. I used to get really annoyed, like when we were in the lower leagues and stuff, and and I was quite. I found myself getting quite bitter about like certain things that were happening, whether it was them beating Barcelona in the Champions League, you know, all that kind of stuff. Used to make me so annoyed and bitter, and then I just thought, you know what? I'm only really interested in in what's happening at Rangers and and. To me, it's like it's not worth getting getting annoyed about, and it's not something that I, I do much. I, I I feel quite comfortable in the fact that we are in charge of our. I think, especially since Gerald came in, we are very much in charge of our own destiny. I think we've got a good team, a good manager, and that I hope that this year is the year and we make we don't make the same mistakes we made last year. Because in my opinion, we threw away the league last year, um, and I think results would back me up on that. So. I would just let them go on with let them go on with whatever whatever they want to say and whatever they want to do, and yeah, I think it's you know you've I think historically it's always been Rangers. Certainly, in my experience, we've always managed to take the moral high ground, both both uh, as fans and 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 certainly a majority of the fans and and you know the club itself. I don't really like the the, the statement wars and all that kind of stuff and all the stuff that comes with it. I just think at the moment we're in such a good position and what I, what I want to see above all else is just us to come back in after this this break and, and really stamp our, our authority in the league um, and make sure we don't we don't let anything from outside of what we can control affect us uh, because this is the biggest opportunity we'll have. Um, and I, and I, I worry that if we don't focus on the right frame of mind, you know, and we don't focus on it, we could let it slip again. And you know, last year was quite tough to take in the way it went down, especially the way their season went, losing the manager and stuff like that. Uh, we had a right opportunity last season, so we need to realise how big an opportunity this is, and how how big a moment that was, even bigger than last season's uh, first win over Celtic. Um, I just think this is a, a huge opportunity, and yeah, I mean all the stuff, the Chris Suttons and all that. They can they can really say what they like, but for me, the way I look at things, it's it's not really not really something I worry about or take great notice of because I just think if if you want a real emotion, I feel when I see it all, it's, I just find it quite amusing and quite funny. But it's not something that outrages me, and I think social media is just one of these things that a lot of, a lot of incidents snowball and. There was a lot of nonsense in the pitch in that game, both teams, and it was only it was a game, and everyone was punished. And Morelos was suspended for the next game. Christie was suspended. Maybe just everyone should move on and, and focus on their, their own their own battles moving forward. 
I'll tell you what, David, I might be old enough to be your dad, but uh, it's obvious who the more mature correspondent is here. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm fizzing. <laughs> right, uh, we'll move on uh, the, the game on Friday. Uh, first game back after the break. I, I agreed, sort of, what you were saying earlier on, I, I think the game last season, the, the game at Cowden Beef that was postponed, meant we went to a really tricky tie against Kilmarnock Cold, and, and we got found out. Uh, so, this Friday night, William Hill Scottish Cup, live on Premier Sport, means we have to subscribe to another channel for those of us that aren't going. I'll be there, but for those that aren't going, uh, you know, you've, you've got to subscribe to another channel. We haven't won the Cup in 11 years now, David, 2009, uh, against Falkirk. How important is it that we end that one? Yeah, it'd be great. But I, I, always, I always worry about... There was, there was a thing going about, like, maybe when Gerald came in, and it was like, oh, we just need we need a second place uh, and and win the Scottish Cup. I just I find I just don't like saying we need to win a cup because I think it's so like difficult to predict that and and to aim to win a cup because it's the knockout system so difficult. Um, but yeah, I, I don't envisage many issues this Friday. But you'd love to. I, I quite like the Scottish Cup. I like the fact. I, I just think it's still got a bit of romance to it. You know, you've seen knocking like Talbot and stuff, winning games over the past few years, and it's still got that that nice uh, that nice aspect to it. But good to to get to to another final this season. I think, you know, we should have won uh, the League Cup final. We've obviously, I think, historically got a better run, a better record in the League Cup. Um, but yeah, but I, yeah, I'd, I'd snap you, I'd bite your hand off for a for the Scottish Cup this season for sure. And uh, and hopefully start the Friday that will be our um, our year. In in terms of you know kind of going back to stuff that we we're talking about earlier on, I mean, how does Gerard approach this? Does he does does he view it as a chance to give some of the fringe players a, a chance, or maybe even a couple of the academy boys, or does he think no, I just want to get through? I mean, I mean, Sonara sitting at the, at the bottom of League One, so you would assume that we would, we would have enough. You know, regardless of the, the 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 first eleven that he put out, that we would get through. But it's also coming back to that getting guys back in the groove, getting minutes in the legs before we hit the league campaign. So does that make it tricky in terms of team selection? If it was me, I would play the I'd play a a strong team. I'd probably play Fodderingham in goals, and then but I think back four I would I would have Barisic, um, Katic, Goldson, and and Tavernier, and then probably. I don't know if I would play Davis, but I would play Jack Kamara, Aribo, and then, you know, Arfield, Morellas, Kent. I would I would go quite strong. Just just for the reason that I think we need to <clears throat> we need to make sure that we're sharp for the, the league starting again. I don't really see a point in in bringing in, you know, fringe players. If he was if he was going to do that, <clears throat> as we mentioned earlier, you know, maybe maybe a young player here, here or there would be okay. Um, but yeah, I would, I would probably go strong just just for the sake of um, getting competitive football back into them and getting to make sure they're sharp for the for the league starting again. But I, I mean, if you go if you go strong, I suppose it gives you the opportunity that if all goes to plan and hopefully you're maybe three or four up, you know, by maybe the hour mark, you can make those changes, get some boys on, you know, some of the fringe players on to get some game time and stuff like that. But I'm with you. I think he should. Go with us. I don't see the point in having that that game 
before the league campaign starts without giving the majority of your sort of regular starters uh, a run out. In the Stranraer's uh, lineup, David, there was there was a story in the Scotsman, you, you, you were talking about it on the chat uh, earlier on today, about Ryan Stevenson. Uh, you said that sort of struck you, that story. So, so what was it about that that got you? I just thought it was a, I mean, it's a really honest, honest take from, from Ryan Stevenson. And for context, he, he retired at the age of 32 um, and also split up with his, his wife. His wife, yeah. Over, I think, nine years. Um, and basically hated, hated life and hated football and, and didn't have much. Seemed like to me like there was, it was a bit of a mental health thing going on there. Yeah, I think, he, yeah. I think he was basically just depressed and, and, and you know, was hating life and, and didn't watch football for 14 months and didn't have anything to do with it. And he, he went to Troon Juniors uh, in Ayrshire and, and, and kind of get his football career back on track. He's now going to walk out of Ibrox this Friday. Um, and I just thought it was just refreshing to hear, you know, a player. And, and Ryan Stevenson's a player, probably. I, I don't really know if, I don't think there's any really ill feeling from Rangers towards him or, or anything like that. You know, I don't think it's, it's that, but there certainly is. I think he's one of the players that certainly where he has played in the rival clubs. You know, he's an easy, because of all the tattoos and stuff and you know the way he played. He was a he was a good, strong player. Um, but to see him come out and, and go public with this sort of thing, I think is really important. Like mental health for footballers is really important. And a lot of what he said seemed to centre around the fact that he wasn't sure what Taj would do once he gave up football, which I think would be extremely common for for players uh, who are who are giving up football because it's all they've really known. Um, and yeah, it was it was nice to it was nice to see that he's. He's back on the straight and narrow almost, and has managed to get past, you know, the, the issues he was having. Um, he's a, you know, it's, it's a good example for for any players out there that are feeling feeling a similar similar thing. And I, I think it'll be nice, it'll be nice to see him, you know, walk out with Stranraer on Friday after overcoming this and, and actually get to a point where he thought he wouldn't play wouldn't play football again. Yeah, I mean, I had a read it. Uh, tonight, just before we came on air, and I, 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 it was it was the amount of time that he was out. You know, what I mean, you would think after that amount of time that you know he, he would he would maybe struggle to get a club. Right? It was like three years or something he was out. So yeah. yeah, and I mean, some of the stuff I always think it's quite it, it must be difficult, you know, especially in a very sort of masculine environment like football. You know what I mean? And it's all very strong characters and there's a lot of testosterone kicking about, you know, to kind of come out and say, you know, I had these problems. I found it quite interesting that it, he's, you know, his mate was sort of digging him up and saying, right, his mate had the gym and he's like, right, get down to my gym at six o'clock tomorrow morning. You're training with me. And, you know, and I think something like that, you know, a focus, you know, to get up and to do that has obviously helped him. Yeah. So, Aye, I thought, it, like you, I thought it was quite a heartwarming story. Still hope his team gets pumped on Friday, though. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's nice to see, as you say, that he's he's on the, the straight and narrow. Uh, quickly try and sum up now. I, I put this on the agenda, David, and, and you don't remember it. Uh, but it is, for some reason, it's quite a big game for me. I was 89, I'd have been 16. Uh, I'd have maybe been 15 at the time of this game. I'd have maybe just been before my 16th birthday. 
Rangers beat Stranraer 8 nothing, and Alan McCoy's missed a penalty in the last two minutes. I was in the West Enclosure that day. Mind, it was a pretty dreary day, and uh, and I just remember when it was 8 nothing. I just remember, as I said, I was only young at the time, thinking, oh, Rangers are going to get 10. You know, and I'd, I've never seen that. I, I can't recall ever seeing them getting 10, and then when they got the penalty, uh, it was like five minutes ago, and you think, right, if they get that, they can go for the 10. And McCoy's blown it out of the bar, and that was it. And he was telling a story recently about the Stranraer game that uh, when he was at training, I think they were still training at the, the, the old Albion across the road. Uh, he was coming out of the Albion, and a punter handed him his betting slip. <laughs> and, it's, and it said uh, Rangers uh, 9, Stranraer mill, pound stake, and it was 100 to 1. And uh, so I think McCoy's felt quite bad. He, he sort of laughed, laughed and joked about it, but the punter was like, you know, you cost me 100 quid to be missing that penalty. But for some reason, it's just a game that uh, that sticks out in my mind. But obviously, you're what, just a baby, so probably yeah. no point in talking about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was back in the day, I, I just I remember being the West Enclosure, and this will be another thing you don't remember. You used to get guys kicking about the grounds in those days in the standing area selling macaroon bars and Wrigley's chewing gum and all that kind of thing. Things of yesteryear, ah, you don't get them now, you know what I mean? It's just strange. Uh, after yeah, Stranraer, but, uh, David, <laughs> sorry, on you go. No, I was just going to say, I remember Ali McCoy, so that's about all I knew from the... Uh, <laughs> the yeah, he, was, uh, he was still going but about 10 years later. Well, you'd maybe remember him for Kelly as well, you know? But, uh, yeah. aye. Uh, well, after Stranraer, we've got, you know, three games in January. St Martin at home, Hearts away, Ross County at home. Tynecastle away could be tricky, but overall a decent January and really important based on, as we were saying last year, you know, when we came back against Kelly and lost those three points, really important that we that we win those three games, David. Yeah, I think, you know, in the hearts, hearts are, it's never an easy place to go and I think they always up their game when, when Rangers or Celtic are in town, um, so that will be difficult and I think the new manager will have his own ideas by the time the league starts up again, hopefully, hopefully, um, should be straightforward enough, uh, but yeah, I think I think if we can get nine points, it would just set the tone for us um, and make sure that we're, we're really, you know, sticking with them. Celtic go to Kelly, I believe, the first game after the break. Uh, certainly, the first league game after the break. That's not easy. No. Although Kelly aren't doing very well, it's it's a horrible place to go. Um, and you know the, the st- Kelly have still got a lot of players that have been successful. And the pitch is is a hard one to play on. Um, so hopefully, you know, you never know what could happen there. Um, but yeah, I think we need to focus on ourselves, and hopefully, um, nine points from these three games will, will help to, to to set the tone nicely. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the fixtures in friendly. Uh, sorry, the, the fixtures in February are fairly friendly as well. And I, I, I was sort of having a wee look, and I think we play Celtic mid March on about the sixteenth or something like. That. And up until that point, the fixtures are fairly decent. So you're kind of thinking, you know, if we maintain the form that we've, we've had up until this point, you know, that game at Ibrox could be really crucial, you know, because I think Celtic have got a slightly tougher run. But you never know. I'm speculating and obviously being a bit hopeful, but you just never know. Uh, but anyway, I, th- I think we've sort of overran by a wee 10 minutes. It's probably as good a time as ever 
uh, to call it quits. So a big thanks to David Wren uh, tonight. Great stuff from him, as always. And that's it from this week's episode of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is made by fans for fans. First episode of 2020, so a, a sort of belated Happy New Year to all our listeners. We'll have a show next week, Stranraer Games on Friday. There will be a show next Sunday to cover that and to preview the games coming up after that. In the meantime, get yourself on to Jersnet and the forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. And until next week, bye for now. <laughs>